Praise the Lord. This morning, there is no super church, so the kids are blessed and they get to listen to me. Hopefully we're all blessed if you listen to me, but I, I actually say that not to, to, to joke around, but to be serious. I hope that you listen to what the Holy Spirit wants to say and how He's touching us. And, and as we're singing these songs about salvation and about how, um, how good God is to us, and even the opening psalm in Psalm 103 and how He has taken our sins as far away as the east is from the west. You know, most of you know who are familiar with Scripture, that passage it's amazing. It's not north to south, but it's east to west because if you keep going east, you don't get to an end. If you go west, you don't get to an end. You keep going west. But if you go far enough north, you end up going south. That's how far away Jesus has taken away our sins. And yet, we can hear that and we can sit here and just, some, some of us, maybe some of us, I'm not yelling at you, I'm just saying, how can you not thank God for that? That's how far He has taken our sins away once and for all. And He is worthy of all our celebration and praise and thanksgiving because it's far and far and going further and further and further away from us. Oh, it's so powerful. And it's such a joy to know that and just gives us such comfort actually and assurance we have because Jesus died, rose again, resurrected and He's sitting at the right hand of the Father and He's ready to come back. And, and restore all this and redeem it all to Himself. So praise God. Hallelujah. He is worthy of our praise. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to first thank the Lord um, publicly and before you that um, He has allowed us after, I think, 12 days of no sun to have sun. Thank you, Jesus. All praise to you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for the clouds, too. You know what you're doing. But thank you for the sun, Lord. Hallelujah. It's such a blessing, and, uh, and it's good to see the sun. It just, it just makes you, it just, it does something different to you, doesn't it? You feel better, right? Instead of being gloomy and dark, and that sun shines, it's an incredible thing. It's, there's a great parallel there to sin and to Jesus. And when Jesus shines on your life, boy, I'll tell you what, it's so much better. Not perfect. Not easy, but it's so much better. Amen? I prefer him than anything else and anyone else. Praise the Lord. This morning I have a question for you as we start before we get into the scripture. I'll lead into our, we have two texts this morning. There'll be others, but two texts I'll be looking at. And my question for you is, has anyone here this morning, I, I, I'd like to meet you, that's why I'm asking the question, has anyone this morning ever gone through their entire lives or up until this point, no matter what your age is, and you've never been ill? Like you've never gotten a sickness. Is, is there... I, I didn't expect any hands, but if there were, I would be thrilled to meet you. I want to know the secret, right? The truth is, is that there is not one person in this room, there's not one person on this planet that has never gone without ever being ill physically. We can amen that. It's, it's true, right? It's true, right? Not one person. Not one person. And you know, the thing is that when you're ill and you don't feel well, you have symptoms, correct? You're coughing or you're sweating profusely or, you're, or you, you're, you're feeling like you're sweating but you're not and you're under the covers and you're freezing, Right? You got something going on. You got you have symptoms and they're they're revealing that something is wrong inside inside you. Right? And so when you feel those symptoms or when you and you have those symptoms, you feel things or you might even see things 
right? What do you do? You, you, you call the doctor. Or at least I hope that's what you do. Don't go to Google. Don't self-diagnose. Stop that. Okay? Stop that. Go to your doctor. Call the doctor, and you want to find out. So what does he do? So he'll ask you a question. Like, he come in. If you come in, he'll look at you right away. If not, they'll even do the video chats, you know, where they can see you. And uh, people did this when, when COVID hit, and even now. And then, well, let me see down your throat. And you, you put the thing on, down your throat, and you shine a light down there, and they're looking. Why? Because they want to see if what was causing the symptoms, Right? It requires something. You can have all the symptoms in the world. You can Google things. You can do whatever you want. You can mask it. You can take cough syrup. You can do whatever to stop the cough. But you'll never get rid of it or, or really know what causes it unless you look a little deeper, right? You've got to look deeper. It's not just on the outside. It's not just about the symptoms and mitigating those or taking those away. But you have to look deeper into your heart in a spiritual sense because there's a parallel for us. But you look deeper into the body, right? And when that happens with the doctor that you contact with or that you work with, and you're sharing your symptoms and you don't feel well and you have a fever or whatever it is, all of a sudden something happens. There's, there's, there's touching, maybe on your stomach, on your chest. Does that hurt when I touch this? Nope, that's all good. Then there's, there's, even, there's even the idea of opening your mouth, right? We all, that's our favorite part, to open our mouth and go, ah, right? Even when you're 50, 60, 70 years old and tell the doctor, ah, in his face, and he's got this piece of wood in there and he's pressing down your tongue and he takes a light and he looks and he needs a light because he wants to see if your tonsils are white because it might mean that you have strep throat. Thank you, right? We know that much. Thank you, Sophie, right? And so we, we, we need light. It's not just, you need light to look deeper and you look inside the throat, for example, or up the nostrils or into your ears or not to be graphic, but we've all been there, right? We don't, we want to take care of what's causing the symptoms and what is deeper inside causing us to not be well, right? So you got to have light and light is so important and, and it reveals and exposes why it might be there. But if that doesn't work, and the doctor's like, wow, you, you do have a temperature. So I'm telling there's something happening in your body. I don't see anything on the surface. I don't see anything in your mouth, your ears, or in, in your, up your nose. I don't see that. But, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order an x-ray. Because I think there might be something going on with your lungs, with all your cough, and, and, and I'm going to order an x-ray. But, you know, the truth is that the doctor takes you, goes to the x-ray, and he says, here's what I'm seeing. And he looks and he says, you know what? You have walk-in pneumonia. That happened to me a few years ago. I felt great, but there was a big problem with me, right? I had walk-in pneumonia and I hid my little tools here, right? And so you go to the doctor's. I'm not putting this in my ears, man, right? I'm putting it next to my ears, all right? But you got to go. And he's listening. The reason he came to that conclusion is because he took his stethoscope. Stethoscope. He took that stethoscope. And listen to my, my lungs here and here and here and on my back. And he's listening and he says, you know what? I think I'm hearing something a little not right. But to confirm that, let's get the x-rays. Let's get another scan, whatever it might be. And then in the end, he revealed to me and he says, you got to walk in pneumonia. He would have never known unless he went through that whole process of starting from the outside, which is fine. But he went past that. He listened to it, but he went right and started looking into the inside of me, listening to what was inside of me and then looking at what was inside of me and going on there. And he discovered walking pneumonia. Not good. You leave it. You lose energy. It could get worse and you could have some serious issues. So I got an antibiotic. He prescribed that. I took it, did the full course. 
not just half the course because I felt like I knew what I was going on. I took the full course. I obeyed my doctor and I was well, right? That's the important thing as well, that when the, the diagnosis is made after evaluation and exam, after listening to what's going on inside and after taking our temperature and after getting scans and x-rays, the doctor realized what was going on and said, here's the diagnosis, here's the prescription, the course of action for your cure, now do it. You don't do it? I can't promise you anything. That's not a good thing. So we want to do what he tells us to do, right? Do what the doctor tells you. Do what the dentist tells you. They know how to take care of you and what works to keep you well and healthy and to restore you to health. Amen? And there's a, there's a spiritual connection to that whole that question that I asked you because the truth is that there is not one person on this planet that is not sick or ill spiritually. Not one person. Not one person. Now listen, even you, if you're a child of God, you are not 100% well spiritually. I did say that, by the way, because it's the truth. You are whole, you are saved, you are redeemed, you are cleansed, you're washed by the blood, washed by the blood of Jesus if you're his child, but you are not 100% well yet. We're getting there. We're not quite there. We have been saved, but we're being saved, and we will be saved, right? We're in this process, and it's a, it's a step for those of you who, who like these terms and who are familiar. And if it's, you don't understand it, let me just tell you that you're justified when you believe in Jesus, right? You're in that right position, right relationship with God. And you can have standing with God that is proper, and He's your Lord, your Savior, you come to Him, right? And then we go through a process called sanctification, right? We're being perfected, and we keep taking the medicine so that we can be more complete, more whole, built up in Christ, and that we are cleansed and purified and become everything that Jesus wants to be, which is to be like Him. And then... The conclusion is that we are glorified. We won't have to worry about stethoscopes, not even spiritual ones, because we'll be in heaven and everything will be all good. No more symptoms, no more coughing, no more heartaches, no more sin. None of that. It'll all be gone, right? Amen? It's going to all be gone. In Mark chapter 2, in your Bible, Mark chapter 2, Jesus makes an amazing statement. And let me lay out the context for you a little bit so that we can understand and, and we can move forward um, with a little background so that it's a little more clear to us. Amen? In, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus calls Matthew, who is a tax collector, to follow him. How could he? How dare he? especially to the Jews and the self-righteous, the Pharisees, the scribes. How dare Jesus call a tax collector? Doesn't he know that those kinds of people, along with the adulterers, they're sinners? There's a classification for these people. They're the ones that are sinners, unlike us who are Jewish. We're God's people. We're okay. As long as we do what the law says and has been given to us, we try our best to keep it, we're all good. But everybody else... They're sinners. There's a certain element of that as well that you'll pick up on as we look at this text and also another text in a few chapters down. But Jesus calls Levi, and then shortly after, Matthew calls him, and he goes into his house. And in his house, he has all kinds of sinners with him, his friends. His friends are there, and Jesus goes, and the Pharisees are on the outside watching, and they're saying, What is he doing? How can he do that? That's so like unclean. It's disgusting. It's, it's wrong. It violates the law and every ceremonial law of clean, cleanliness. And you can't associate with that. You can't be there. 
And Jesus heard them. And he says in, in Mark chapter 2, if you have your Bibles open, and in verse 17, he says these words. And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that He came for the sinners and those who are unrighteous and that He came because He loved us so much and he's, He knew what He would find and He knew that there was nobody that had never been perfectly whole and well spiritually their entire lives and He had to come. Now, keep these words of Jesus close to your mind and, and to your heart. And now turn in your Bible to chapter 7 in Mark's Gospel, if you have it open. Just a few pages. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus says these words. And in the first five verses, I won't read them, but in the first five verses, you will find that Jesus is accused of uncleanliness by Pharisees and some of the scribes, the Bible says, Mark records. Right? Look, Mark's Gospel here, and even in chapter 7, it reveals the root cause of all things that are sinful and unclean. To the, and the Pharisees and the scribes were blown away. They couldn't believe that Jesus would even do this because they thought that it was all about the external keeping of the law and the super, uh, superficial ceremonial keeping of the law. What you abstain from, what you don't touch, what you put on, what you don't put on, who you associate, who you don't associate with. Certainly those things have value. Don't misunderstand me. But that was not the heart of the matter. Not to play on that word, but that was not the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter and what Jesus was concerned about was the heart, right? The actual heart, not the body, not the outside. And so Jesus reveals this. And notice again, as I mentioned a second ago, in the first five verses, the Pharisees and some scribes accuse Jesus of uncleanness. They're not washing hands. They're not doing the proper things to, 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 to go about their day in the proper places. And they're noticing from the side and they're asking, how come his disciples do this. Why aren't they washing their hands? Why aren't they going through the proper protocol to make sure that everything they're doing is clean? Why? And the context, again, it's amazing because they're, attack they're attacking Jesus and actually His disciples as well. But Jesus, through His disciples, as they stood there watching like a bunch of spiritual police, they're like spiritual vultures just waiting, wanting someone to die, and then they could pick at Him and eat at Him. I know it's harsh and graphic language, and it's very direct, but that is precisely the attitude and, and the heart of the Pharisees and the scribes that are described here. They're just waiting, just waiting for that moment. And when they saw it, they pointed out, and they're watching them eat. And then they noticed that they didn't do their hand washing, as I mentioned. And it was part of their religious tradition. It was even part of the ceremonial law in the Old Testament. And Jesus even addresses it because some of their traditions didn't even come from Scripture. So Jesus deals with it. And He addresses them. He addresses their traditionalism. And He puts their, who have put their traditions above the Word of God. Their hypocrisy. Presenting themselves as being pure and sinless when they're actually deeply corrupted within. Their legalism. 
thinking that they could be made right with God by their obedience to the laws of God. And they actually had been doing this perfectly all along in their fake, false, human, man-made worship. And Jesus responds, and look at what he says right there after they yell at the disciples and accuse Jesus of uncleanness. He says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Teachings are just rules taught by men. These teachings are rules taught by men. And he deals with all that and he exposes their religion as corrupt and falling far short of the purity that God demands in worship. True worship comes from the heart. Genuinely loving God with all of your heart. Expressing that love in the holy ways that are prescribed by Scripture. Absolutely. We don't, we don't get rid of that, and Jesus didn't either. That's true worship. But these men, they're hypocrites. They're whitewashed tombs, Jesus called them in Matthew chapter 23, who look beautiful on the outside, and the inside they're full of dead man's bones and everything unclean. This is the description of what that corruption is in this chapter of Mark chapter 7. That the heart is the source of all human uncleanness in the sight of God. And mine still struggles with that. Doesn't yours? That's not an excuse. It's not a justification. It's an explanation of the reality of that ongoing battle that each one of us has. And it's so easy to fall back like the Galatians were, to fall into those, that Judaism and those laws and that Phariseeism and to take on all those things that are of the flesh and that are natural and of the law and to not live in the Spirit. And, and we miss it all. And Paul said to the Galatians, why are you so tricked into falling back into that kind of way of living? You started this life with the Spirit, with a new heart. Live by the Spirit. Live with that new heart that God has given you and worship from your heart in the cleanness of of your heart. He's accused of uncleanness in the first five verses. This is all going to connect to the first question we started with about never being ill. You'll, you'll see. Notice second that Jesus declares, and he does it so loudly and clearly, that all defilement comes from the heart. Not external things. Do you believe that? It comes from, these are Jesus' words. In verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, and, he, and, he, and after he called the multitude to him again, he called everyone to him, and he says, Listen to me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside the man which going into him can defile him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. And if any man has ears to hear, let him hear, he says. And when leaving the multitude, he had entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? Can I put it, another translation says, are you so dull? Well, let me tell you something. Sometimes I am dull. You know why I get dull? You know why you get dull sometimes? Because of sin. It dulls our understanding. I mean, sin is insane. It's crazy. It's, it's unreasonable. It's ridiculous. Well, we can explain it because of the fall, right? But, but it's crazy. The end is not good, and we still do it, right? 
But sometimes when we are asked, even by question, the Holy Spirit, he's like, how come you still don't get it after all these years? Not really like that, but kind of like, well, why do you keep, are you really that, like, not understanding? Are you that dull? I could use another word. I won't use it. I'll be nice. Yes, yeah, sometimes I am because sin, sin dulls my understanding. It dulls my understanding of everything that is righteous and holy. And we have the word, we keep reading it, but when there's sin there, it dulls our understanding and our ability to do it. And so when Jesus asks his disciples who have been following him and heard his own words, understood who getting, or at least some of them were getting to the point of understanding who he was, but some already did. And are you really that not understanding? And they ask him, what does all this mean? What are you saying, right? And he says in verse 18, Are you so lacking? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? He repeats what he said earlier. Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and it is eliminated. No visualization. Just, all right. In and out, the physical things. It doesn't touch your heart. What you eat. All those ceremonies that you go through and these people are doing things and saying the right thing. If it doesn't touch your heart and if it's not from the heart, it's not by the Spirit, it's, it's all for nothing. In the end, it gets eliminated. It's, it's nothing. It goes, it's gone. That's how much value that has. I want everyone to hear this, Jesus said. We are sick with sin. We are all sick with sin. We all have this heart condition that Jesus says that is defiled and that it starts from within. It's not external. It's all starting from within. He's a physician. He examines, he looks, and he knows. In fact, he has the power to heal us and he does it, of course, through repentance. We need to know how sick our true nature is, how evil our hearts are naturally apart from Christ's healing work. Christ's healing work begins when sinners see that true condition, acknowledge that it's true, and then do something about it. Look, they're not tr- sinners that acknowledge this, they're not trying to lie about it anymore. We shouldn't be lying about it anymore. What we should say, what you say in this passage is true of me, Jesus. And I'm crying out to you to heal me. We should do it every day. There's nothing from the outside that can defile you. But if you realize that it flows from inside you, listen, it's not like a piece of lint you flick off, you know, from your sweater or some gum that you stepped on that you and you scrape it off the sole of your shoe. It's coming from the inside of you. It's who you really are apart from the grace of God. And you can come to that physician of your soul, Jesus, who is the only one that can heal it. Nothing outside a man in verse 15 can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. You know the truth? To the Jewish people and the nation, that would be shocking to them. The law keepers, the one who received the law, the one who kept the law, if you will, and then added to the law, right, and made it a burden and made it difficult. Their basic approach is you have the bad people, you have those notorious tax collectors and sinners and, 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 and all these sexually immoral, right? You have all those. You're not in that category. You're fine. If you're a Jewish person, you're fine too. I mentioned that earlier, right? Just make it through this world like you're walking through a minefield without getting defiled. Well, let me tell you, you can't do that. 
Because you, you can't keep the law perfectly. You will not miss everything that's around you. And now here, this is where we kind of bump into and we get into the whole Levitical holiness code that we find in the Old Testament, for those of you who are familiar with it. The Jews had a whole bunch of clean and unclean designations. Yes, they were given by God. Yes, they were given by God. And there were foods that they considered unclean. You can eat this, you can't eat that. And they were written right into the law of Moses. But the distinction between clean and unclean was far beyond food, right? As I said, it had, and, 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 and it was more. It even involved things like skin diseases, having contact with dead people, lepers, all about, and on all those kinds of things, touching the body of a dead animal. Sorry, kids, if you were in your yard, you picked up a dead mouse, you had to wait a while and go through a process to be clean, Right? And you, and you had to get, go through washings and doing... There's a whole lit, a slew of things that had to be done. The whole idea of ceremonial cleanness and uncleanness is established in the law of Moses. Let me be clear. Jesus wasn't denying that. It was to give a picture of the pervasiveness, if you will, of defilement from sin and the call of the Jewish nation from God to be a holy people. And they were, you know what they were? They were external pictures getting ready for the true salvation that was coming, which was Jesus. The author of Hebrews tells us they were in Hebrews chapter 9 and 10. All of these laws are only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, right? They're external regulations applying until the time of the new order, if you will, or the new covenant, Jesus coming And it's all through His blood, the blood of Christ. That's what the author is saying in Hebrews. He set them up as a picture that they didn't didn't bring actual cleansing from sin. They were just a picture of the true cleansing from sin that would come from the great physician, God's Son, Jesus Christ. It's clear. If we're honest... And if we look at Scripture, all of Scripture, each one of us, this is for me, for you, for every one of us this morning. If we look at Scripture and we look at all of of redemptive history, that's what the Bible's all about. If we look at redemptive history, God has searched our minds and our hearts already. It's never been a matter of external washings. He wants us to have a clean and a pure heart in order to be in His presence and to do His work effectively. But listen, that's the one thing that we do not have. The fundamental problem of the human heart, when you think about it, was established in the Old Testament. In many places. But I reference you to Jeremiah chapter 17. In verses 9 and 10, where the prophet says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Strong language. Cannot be cured on its own. Who can understand it? The prophet says, or God says through the prophet, really. I, the Lord, search the heart and I examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. What you do all starts in your heart, and what you do reveals where and what your heart is all about. Mark 7, along with all the teachings of Scripture throughout the Bible, make it plain that true evil starts from the inside and it goes out. Not the other way around. Not the other way around. It's not the externals. We're not basically good. 
as some believe and say, I'm a good person. Not, it's not like that. They were pure beings that just somehow need to walk again through this, this externally defiling world and make it. Listen, we're deeply stained within. The healthy don't need a doctor, Jesus said. The sick do. And so Jesus came to call the sinners, not the righteous. You know, our first parents, your first parents named Adam and Eve. You know what happened? They were created in the image of God. We've heard that. We know that. And we're like, yeah, it's so cool. Like, you know, we're in the likeness of God. We share, there's certain things God gave us that resemble him. And are, it's incredible, right? And we are. We're made in the image of God. And perfectly in his image, if you will, initially. Perfectly in his image. And at the core of their being was what the Bible calls their heart. That's the core of your being, is your heart. It's called the heart. The scripture calls it the heart. The deepest part of your spirit that determined so much that was there. The, the core of your being, the core of your soul. It is the ability to think, to reason, to comprehend, to study, to evaluate, to love, to be attracted to, to display affections, to be delighted in things, to marvel at them, to choose and to make choices. It's your heart. All of this, all of this, was the original equipment that God gave to Adam and Eve, part of His original design. And it was good. It was really good, in fact. Two pure hearts, Adam and Eve. Two innocent hearts, right? Adam's heart and Eve's heart. Perfect in every respect. Able to know God. Able to love God. Able to serve God exactly as He wanted to all the time. But then sin entered into the hearts. Into the core of our first parents, from the outside, right? Them through a... And again, this is where we find it's almost a contradiction, but it doesn't come from the outside. But it did. Something happened that entered them. And you can't explain it. It's a deeply mysterious corruption that no theologian can ever explain. Well, if I can't explain it, I can't accept it. Just look around. The evidence is all around. Why there ever was darkness or evil in God's good universe, I can't explain that. I can't explain it. But it came in, and, and, and by their disobedience, Adam and Eve, they were defiled and corrupted deeply in their hearts. Now here, I say this with all, all faith and confidence and assurance that in the wisdom of God, the entire human race, we are told, theologically, the entire human race fell into sin in Adam and received a corrupted nature. That's you, that's me. At the core of that corrupted nature is the evil human heart that Jesus exposes today in our passage. My heart. Oh, it's regenerated, it's renewed. I know that because I'm a child of God. But it's still that is always lurking and sin is always crouching at the door. And there's something in there fighting against that. The Apostle Paul dealt with that in Romans chapter 7. And everything he wanted to do, he says, why can't I do it? And he says, the things I don't want to do, why do I keep doing them? And he concludes everything and says, how can I deal with this? And he says, 
Thanks be to God, I can only do it through Christ Jesus, our Lord, who is the great physician, and He's the only cure. Ongoing struggle. And Jesus moves on. He doesn't just call them out and tell them that the heart is defiled and, and the external doesn't defile the heart. But he goes on and, and he says then, that, and he explains the truth about the situation, and he says that a river of evil flows from the heart. No, no, that, that, that's not me. That's not me. No way. I, I don't, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm pretty good. It doesn't, it's not true with me. In verse 17, after he'd left the crowd and entered the house, the disciples asked him again. They're deeply troubled. They didn't understand what he is saying. They didn't understand the full ramification of what's going thought. They thought maybe it's another one of those parables, like some kind of a weird play on words or something. Explain the parable to us. And he speaks to them. And I don't know that, as I mentioned earlier, they expected what he says. Are you really so dull? You know, we're a little bit slow a lot of times to understand things too. Sin clouds the mind. But here's the good news. If you're a believer, even if you're a believer, when you are done being saved, yes, you are saved, but you're being saved. Sanctification, until we're glorified. When you're done being saved, when you're in heaven, that problem is going to be gone. No more dullness. You'll have a perfect mind and be able to comprehend. But in the meantime, here we are. Here am I. Here we are together. And listen, you have to listen to me this morning. You have to walk through texts like this and understand. It's hard sometimes to understand. And so we're dull without understanding. But listen, understand it. That Jesus goes on into an explanation of food in verses 18 and 19. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of the body. In other words, food is just food. I'm not talking about nutritional value. I'm not talking about whether you should eat something high in cholesterol, or very salty, or a lot of caffeine. We all know that's that's not good for you. We get that. But food is just food. It doesn't affect your heart. It doesn't. It doesn't touch your heart. You put it in your mouth, you chew it, you swallow it, and then it's gone. Nothing you chew and swallow can make you unclean. And at that moment, Mark gives us kind of this like almost editorial comment, if you will, about, that, that, that's worthy of other sermons, really. But he says that Jesus declared all foods clean. It was true. He said that all foods are clean. But then you go on, and, you go, and the true lesson is the true state of the heart, which has been the home base, if you want, of what we're talking about. And in verse 23, of, he says this, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and they make a man unclean. A list of 12 things. If you look at the first six, they're all actions. If you look at the last six, they're all attitudes. And they all stink. They're sinful, they're horrible, they're disgusting, and they all come from the human heart. Not because I had a bad piece of apple pie. Or rotten sushi, which I love, by the way, not rotten. It's not that. 
It's all about the heart. Actions and attitudes in Jesus. And in fact, some of, the, some of those things that he lists are in the plural. Some of your translations might not have it, but in the original language, they're in the pure plural. Why? Because they happen and they keep happening and they're more than you can even count. They all come from our hearts. That is the source of all the trouble on our planet. Our hearts. I know, it's, it's hard to hear, maybe. But it's the truth. It's the Word of God. My heart, your heart, that's where the trouble comes. It's not, listen, that's it. It's not only about, you know, what we think about it or how we can articulate about how it is, but it's just a matter of our hearts are pure and simple. They're not clean. They need to be cleaned by God. They need to be cured by heart. Every sin begins with this corrupted human heart right here. Our core. The water that flows metaphorically from the wellspring of our hearts is deeply polluted because Proverbs 4.3 says, Above all, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of light. Life. Too late. It's already polluted. It's already corrupted. I'm not saying this verse doesn't have something to say to us, but the fact is, the damage is done. Nothing of ourselves can cleanse this internal fountain of defilement. Jesus is alluding to the filth that comes out when we eat. The true filth of the human being is not physical, but it's spiritual. And then that river of sins that flows from inside out of our corrupt and rebellious hearts goes. And Jesus lists those 12 things. They're not all. The list could keep going, but that's a pretty extensive list. They all describe the human heart. All these evils come from inside, and that is what makes a person unclean. So that's the diagnosis. Our hearts are unclean. That's what the physician of the soul says about us this morning. And the only solution that's left, the only solution that's left is that Christ transforms our heart. That's all that's left. Now, how does he do this? If you're a believer, you know that the truth is. If you've, if you've come to Christ and you've already acknowledged that in your life and you, you've, you've come to him and confessed your sins and you bow to him as your Lord, you know that what Titus 3 says is true, that God saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And, and in fact, that's just echoing what Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, that there is no one righteous, no, not one, in 3.10. And that's actually a quote from the Old Testament. That there's no one righteous. No one can be found like that with the right heart. And he says he saved us in Titus 3 with, through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. That washing, the washing comes through the blood of Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's sufficient to clean us all up and renew us. That's the cleansing that I need. That's the cleansing that we need, brothers and sisters, friends. Look, you can't, you can't go through life and just kill the tendencies you have to do things that aren't right, and they'll never bother you again. You, you can't do it. It's not going to happen. Because it'll keep crow- coming up and crouching around the corner, waiting to pounce on you. 
And you've got to be on guard for the rest of your life. And you've got to be in good, good places and in good churches and in good, among good brothers and sisters who will preach the truth and teach the truth and look into the Scriptures and live the way that God wants us to live. You can't stay pure and you can't be clean by what you do, but only what Jesus and His Word can do. As long as we're here... We're in danger of having our corrupt hearts exposed. And Jesus does a good job. Perhaps this morning you're, you have symptoms. You know what they are. I'm not even going to list them. You're doing things. You're, I'll use the word, you're feeling things. You have attitudes that are not healthy, not good, not positive, not godly, not righteous. Those are there, and they're symptoms of something more. I, they're, those are not good things. But they're just symptoms of something that is wrong right in here, man. You're not going to fix it on your own. You're not going to fix it by... By adding more laws and, and demanding things of others, it's not going to get fixed. The only way that it gets fixed is when you come to the doctor's office and this morning you, you let him put his stethoscope on and instead of pretending like everything's all good and you come in all dressed, you might even take in a good shower and trimmed your fingernails and cleaned your earwax out, the Q-tip or whatever, and you go to the doctor and then you're like, I'm all good. He's like, well, no, you're not. You're, you're coughing. I have to listen to what's going on inside. We know it has to be done, but we get nervous, right? I mean, sometimes when we go to the doctor, even myself, when I go from annual physical, I want to go because I want to know, but I don't want to know. Because I'm almost afraid to, I'm like, he's going to find something. I know he's going to find something. There's going to be something there. Well, can I tell you something? That every time Jesus examines your heart, he will find something. And do you know why he wants to find something? Because he wants to wash you and cleanse you and renew your heart. He's not doing it because he's like, your heart is terrible. Get out of here. He's saying, I'm looking at your heart because I want to heal you. Will you take my prescription? Will you do what I say? Not what men say, not the traditions of men, but what I say. Will you let me examine you? Can I take an an x-ray? Can the Holy Spirit, who is like an ultrasound, look deep inside of you at all your soft tissue and find all the stuff that's wrong? Will you allow Him to do that today? Because the problem is our heart, brothers and sisters. This isn't a message of condemnation. This is a message that's worthy of self-examination. But that self-examination happens only when we come to Dr. Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our friend, who's merciful, who's gracious, who's redemptive, and sees nothing but amazing things in the end because we're being conformed to His image, and we only become more conformed when we get regular checkups. Jesus calls us this morning. And this morning, I conclude with this verse, and then we'll pray. 1 John chapter 1. Oh, what a famous, a pop, popular scripture it is. Everybody knows what 1 John says. And I love what it says. It's so good. It is good. 
Well, listen to the whole thing, this, these, these three verses. We love verses 9 and 10. <laughs> but you've got to start with verse 8. So let's put God's stethoscope on our heart as we read this. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. Our heart is desperately wicked. And sin is always trying to get in. Don't run away from Jesus' call. Accept His invitation. His diagnosis is always 100% accurate. And His prescription is always 100% effective. And you know what that is? It's Jesus Himself. His sacrifice, His blood applied to your heart. As you confess, repent, the Holy Spirit comes and He renews your heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins because you think you're fine. But you know what? Your heart, the Bible says, is forever wicked. Strong language, but it's true. It's corrupt, it's dirty, it's defiled. And as we go through life, it gets corrupted and dirtied again. But we keep coming to Jesus. But maybe you never came to Jesus and asked you, to take away your sin, to give you a new heart, in fact, the Bible tells us. Would you do that this morning? And the way you do that is you just come to Him and you acknowledge in your heart of hearts, come to Him, talk to Him, and just say, I'm a sinner. My heart is unclean, it's wicked. I can't fix my heart without you, Jesus. Help me. Save me. And He will. Sometimes we complicate things. But it's as simple as making a visit to the doctor's office. All your problems of the heart can be dealt with. And then we go again. By the way, if you're a Christian, you do annual physicals. You go over and over and over again. Let him examine you. Father God, thank you this morning that you are calling us to come into your exam room. Lord, help us to not resist your call. Help us to not pretend that we're not well. Help us to tell the truth because you're going to find it out anyway as you take your spiritual stethoscope and you listen to our heart and realize that it's out of rhythm. And then you take a scan of our heart and you realize that there's a lot of not good things on it or around it. Lord God, we submit to You. Help us to believe that Your prescription is the remedy, is the cure. That it's Jesus, Your Son, His perfect life, His death, His resurrection, all for our sake that we could be given new hearts, and have our hearts restored along the journey. Thank you that you are perfecting us, you're making us, and thank you, Lord, that you're getting us home. You're getting us, Lord, to be to that place, Lord, where we'll be with you forever, where our hearts will no longer need to be under examination, but in the meantime, Lord, search us 
And if there be anything in wickedness or unclean thing in our hearts, root it out and show us God. Cleanse us, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.